right, everyone, and welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host and fairy god, dad bod, Kavitaharian. Oh. <laughs> you're not the fairy godfather. You're the fairy godfather who stepped up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just saw that mean earlier. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Just to get to it, I'm the round orange rolling pumpkin that transforms into something um, great and then something horrible again after midnight. Uh, Angelina Meehan. Angie. And today we're joined by our friend. She's uh, a lovely essayist and video person and creator and writer and yeah. just like all, all kinds of great things. Deep uh, Cinderella please welcome lore. Back to the, <laughs> lore yeah. yeah. Welcome back to the podcast for a second time this season to discuss a Cinderella property, Miss Princess Weeks. Princess, welcome. I, we welcome. love to see I'm you. I'm so glad yes. to have a solid girl like me back in the, back in the, <laughs> back in the studio. Uh, thank you so much for bringing me to, I would say, one of the top three of the Cinderella adaptations that we have. I'd agree with that, honestly. Last Uh, time it was bad Cinderella, and this time we decided we should make it up to you by bringing you for a good Cinderella. Yeah, right. Uh, From bad Cinderella to black Cinderella. My story in two parts. (laughs) There you go. There is your hero origin story. This was a Canada event moment. Because, like, this, this, okay, so this came out in 1997, Mm -hmm. and it was hit at that perfect age for me because I was 10, and, like, um, Mm -hmm. maybe not even 10. And, like, I had already just, like, kind of gotten, like, oh, I like the theater. I would like to see the theater. And like this came out with like um, one was on Disney. So I was like, well, Disney, if Michael Eisner is telling me I will like it, I will like it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Two, uh, it is the most star studded thing in the world. It had had Brandy. It had Whitney Houston. Like I was like deep in the Moesha, you know, (laughs) universe at that point. Uh, It had Jason Alexander, Bernard Peter, you know, like it is just like, oh, and it's Cinderella. And I had never seen this Rodgers and Hammerstein version of it. So Mm -hmm. like that was it was my first exposure to that. Um, and yeah, it just kind of hit it's, um, and I've had to watch it a lot in the last three or four years since having a daughter and she loves this version and mothering. I get why. Yeah. Mother, <laughs> mothering so much. So it's become kind of a staple in our household. So I've seen it a lot in the last few years and, uh, I, I, I've come to really, really, really love it as an adult. I was a wee last when this came out. Uh, I was like five and I really loved it. Um, I think that it was before like that racial, consciousness in my brain was like truly truly activated so it just was like it was good to have like a normalizing thing like oh yeah like you're brandy cinderella you're black you have braids this is fine your love interest is is asian his parents are black and white i feel like both of his parents are very gay coded but you know what it's okay (laughs) love is love is love Um, (laughs) and i think when i go back and i rewatch this movie like i just love the simplicity of it and how like i think that so many people want to like redo cinderella to like find a way how do we make cinderella interesting and i just feel like how do we fix it and i'm just gonna say like listen let the girl sing and let the let the ensemble cast do what it needs to do and that is be goofy because i feel like a good ensemble cast makes up for like all the like inherent bland blandness of like those leading you know heteros like i love this movie because of how over the top bernadette peters is i love it for how great the stepsisters are like and brandy is singing just let them do what they are meant to do and that is sing yes yes uh and kave have you seen this one before i forget 
I have not seen this. I do remember it being around um, in the background. Although I have to admit, Sarah talks about this all the time. And she's always like, when are you guys going to do Brandy Cinderella? She was like, should I be a guest on the Brandy Cinderella episode? So she's like very, very excited. I've been hearing about it from her for quite some time. Oh, so boy. Oh, think, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. In our home, it's going to be a, a bonding experience. So oh. for that reason, I'm looking forward to I it. I love that but, for you. Uh, no, I never... I, yeah, for obvious reasons, I didn't watch the uh, the musical version of Cinderella when I was a 15-year-old boy. Sure, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> You're just a strapping, <laughs> strapping man. It's like, I don't have time for these guys. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I was so ma- Yeah, I was so masculine, uh, clearly. Uh, <laughs> You're like, call just me for the Aladdin live action so I can actually have some good yeah. food here. Like, Yeah, right. Exactly. No, but I, I don't think I know anything about it, I, so I... I just know that, it, but that's also something I've heard about from other, you know, girls that were, you know, coming up around the same time that I did. And they also revere this movie. I, I do generally know that it's very revered by people from that generation. Uh, when it debuted, it kind of got like mixed reviews. People were just like, oh, it's fine. And like, it's clearly not fine. Like you're when you think you're fine, but you're not fine. Like the yeah. way that like <laughs> women and uh, who were girls when this came out have held on to this mm-hmm. is like really yeah, powerful yeah. to me that we all have this collective experience of like, we all had an American Girl doll. We all cried when the Spice Girls broke up. And we mm-hmm. all saw 1997 Cinderella and watched it 800 times as a kid. So, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, I think it's very special. It's also just kind of, um, after we get into notes, I think there's a little bit to talk about that I find really, really interesting about it. But um, mm-hmm. let's just get into notes with that said. Let's do into it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Cinderella is a 1997 musical television movie directed by Robert Iscove and a screenplay by Robert L. Friedman. It is based on the original 1957 television musical of the same name by Oscar Hammerstein and R- Richard Rogers, with music by Rogers and lyrics by Hammerstein. And side note, also Rogers and Lorenz Hartz. More on that later. Mm. Dot, dot, dot. Mm. The movie features a star-studded cast, including Brandy, Whitney Houston, Bernadette Peters, Whoopi Goldberg, Victor Gaber, Jason Garber. Alexander, Sorry, and that's my Garber. <laughs> I, that was Garber. I was like, I don't no, know. No, that's all right. There's a homosexual <laughs> shrieking. I was like, that was that was my fault. Tell the Victor Garbers, the Garbs Barbs out there. Um, I have Garb, a typo Barbs. in there, but Victor it's Victor Garber. Garber. Victor yeah. Garber. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jason, just so you guys know who are listening, there is a Google Doc that I look at when I'm reading this, so sometimes it gets updated in real time. Um <laughs> I'm not that terrible of a reader, I swear. I am uh, that anyway. terrible of a speller. Yeah. Though. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, Jason Alexander and Natalie DeSell. I don't know who Natalie DeSell is. Oh, my God. So she was a stand-up comedian in the 90s. Um, really, really, really popular stand-up comedian. I know her from the movie um, Baps with Holly Berry. Absolutely. Her, yeah, exactly. She just passed, she just passed away, She think, just passed away. A couple yeah, years yeah. ago. But oh. yeah, she mm. was. she's a hilarious talent. Uh, very yeah. much the epitome of like black famous. And this was like her big crossover role mm. i would say do i remember like baps did they have like crazy like hair like blue and white hair or like that white hair yeah. and like white wigs i'm like is yeah, it black it was, american i have some weird memory of this but and, i never saw it yeah yeah oh if you were a child who watched comedy central at all during the daytime while you were homesick you probably saw it because they showed that movie 800 times that's something i haven't thought of in a long time but i'm now it's like creeping up into the forefront i'm like i think i remember that mm-hmm. yeah if um, you've seen the WAP video you have seen baps's impact for sure <laughs> ah okay like, the aesthetic okay. of that is a thousand percent baps <laughs> yeah gotcha <laughs> um it is the third adaptation of this musical for television what is there to say about the premise it's cinderella 
It's Cinderella, guys. We've all talked about Cinderella on this podcast before. It's not a bad Cinderella. It's a good Cinderella who meet cutes her prince before the ball, not knowing he's a prince. And that's about as spicy as this retelling gets. Pumpkin coaches are made. Glass slippers are lost and found. Love wins. Haters stay hating. There is all of that and more in Cinderella. I really struggled with the plot summary for this one after doing yeah. bad Cinderella. I was like, it's Cinderella. God damn it. Yeah. It's it Cinderella. is what it is. <laughs> it, it is the most Cinderella to Cinderella. Um, originally approached by the head of NBC at the height of a televised musical trend in the 1950s, Rodgers and Hammerstein began Cinderella as their first attempt at writing a show specifically for television. Richard Lewine, Lewin, the vice president of rival station CBS and the cousin of Rogers, got wind of the project and mentioned that his channel was also looking to do a musical broadcast and had already signed a young composer named Julie Andrews. A young, a up, younger, up, upcomer. Up. Sorry, I, I read too fast. <laughs> that was your fault. Uh, she did, you, yeah, you did not misspell that. That was my brain filling it in. Yeah. It's like some weird dyslexic thing. Uh, signed a young upcomer named Julie Andrews to do it. Also interesting. Nepo baby, huh? His uh, cousin was at the yeah. network and could just get the screen light. Interesting. Connected. Um, Suspicious. Eager at the prospect of, yeah, right. <laughs> right. was he was he even really that talented? <laughs> no. yeah. uh, eager at the prospect of working with Andrews, Rogers and Hammerstein jumped ship to CBS, and the first iteration of their Cinderella debuted live in color on March thirty first, nineteen fifty seven, where it reached more than a hundred million viewers. This Cinderella has since been remade for TV twice, including an immensely successful 1965 version starring Leslie Ann Warren and the 97 version we are watching for this episode, which was meant to helm the relaunch of the wonderful world of Disney. So this did not play. I black out when I read these things because I don't retain the information. (laughs) This is not on uh, Disney Channel, correct? No, this is on ABC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this was part of like uh, when Michael Eisner was trying to bring back the wonderful world of Disney with him as like the Walt Disney figure. This was kind of meant to right. be mm-hmm. the helm. And there was so there's so much interesting pre-production stuff behind the show. So like basically what happened was in 1993, I think it was ABC did a, a live version of the musical Gypsy with Bette Midler that did mm-hmm. really, really well. And mm-hmm. basically Whitney Houston reached out to the producers of that and was like, hey, can I have something like this? Like, I would be interested in doing like a, a TV musical movie like this. And so uh, the producers of that kicked over to Disney the idea of doing Cinderella uh, with Whitney Houston. And Whitney Houston was also on board as a producer for this. And they wanted her originally to star as the title uh, character, but what ended up happening was because Whitney Houston was booked and busy because it was the early mid nineties. Um, like, everywhere it kept she getting was, rewritten. She was like the fucking everywhere. Yeah, um, the queen at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing a Whitney Houston song. Like at least Huge you know star. every ten minutes. Yeah. Um, I, just for the younger people in the audience to yeah. know. And you should have that... been so lucky to have Whitney Houston. <laughs> right. <It's true. laughs> um, so anyway, like uh, she like as she kept being booked and busy, like the script kept getting rewritten because um the original book was written by Oscar Hammerstein, but um, every version of it basically has had a new book written for it in some way, shape, or form. And so, like, this kept getting rewritten and rewritten and then, ultimately, Whitney Houston was like, I'm kind of aged out of this, uh, but I still want to oh, be damn. on board as a producer. And they were like, well, then we'll have her as the fairy godmother. And they did, like, table readings of this with, like, LaShanza was, like, originally Cinderella and Brian Stokes Mitchell was the prince at the table readings. And, like, it just kept going through 8,000. These are big Broadway names for those of you who don't know. Um, okay. But yeah. uh, eventually, it was like, okay, um, uh, Whitney Houston came forth with the idea of like having Brandy as uh, Cinderella and like there was basically nobody else at that point and Whitney Houston also had like an immense creative control over it and final say over who was cast so that's how we got what we got where where is Brandy and her like rising star 
sort of at this point when this movie comes out. This is during Moesha time. So she's already had like a lot of her big musical hits. Have you ever loved? Like she's made us cry already and she was really doing Moesha. It's kind of like how Set It Off and um, Living Single are like simultaneous in the Queen Latifah Mm -hmm. explosion universe. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how Mm -hmm. this is. So it's like (laughs) this is her uh, Set It Off. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And there was basically like no other, like, yeah, like that was on the table. It was Brandy. Um, I know there's a very interesting story here about Jason Alexander who really wanted there. At one point, there was a musical TV version of Sweeney Todd that was on the table by the ABC crew, as far as I'm remembering it correctly. Uh, He wanted to be in it so he could make a good impression and get cast as Sweeney Todd and that. And uh, he was also just game to be in it. And as far as I know, everyone was behind this 100% and gung ho for it. So this is, this is we got and it's fantastic what i think is interesting is like to like cast the prince like there were the other options on the line included uh wayne brady gay oh, icon right. <laughs> <laughs> Tay Diggs, uh mark anthony and um Anth- antonio sabato jr and eventually uh the actor <laughs> that we got was an understudy in the king and i at the time and All like right. just basically got on audition and that he was just so sweet that they were like, oh yeah, he's charm. Like literally, that got the role good. by being charming. But I just can't. Yeah. By being charming. Yeah, yeah. Li- what a concept. But I just, yeah. <laughs> but literally every other dude that they mentioned, I would have been like, I would have hated that. <laughs> yeah, I just when you see what this prince is like, imagining like Wayne Brady in that part is like very is deeply funny to me. <laughs> like it's just like because Paolo, Paolo, this Paolo Montalban is the actor who plays him, and he's mm-hmm. just like. He's like the most like this is the boy like just like this like sweet faced little young baby angel handsome like guy and like I think of Wayne Brady and I think of not that he's not immensely handsome and deeply talented and I'm so happy he won uh, the Masked Singer because he absolutely deserved it not that's a tangent right there um, <laughs> like and I but I always think of like whose line is it anyway was kind of his bag at the time and I'm just like that's yeah. just it's just an interesting vibe to have put out there yeah um, but yeah this was I think his his TV debut is like his film debut period and he's also fantastic and wonderful. I will say the one thing I think is interesting about the narrative of like Whitney Houston knowing that she like aged out of the role and mm-hmm. like fixing up another person. It reminds me of how Diana Ross didn't do that for The Wiz. And it's part oh. of why The oh, Wiz is like such a, such a mess when it comes to Dorothy. So it's like, you know, opening doors to to younger talent, always a good thing to do. <laughs> She's sh- sh- like sharing the wealth and spreading it around and giving it to somebody yeah. who is probably in a better position is, is always a good, generous move. Like, yeah, honestly, knowing how much Whitney had creative control over this uh, makes it all the better for me. I miss you, Queen. Uh, but yes, okay. Uh, so with that said... Okay, yeah, let's go ahead and watch it and come back and discuss. All right. Woo! And we, we are, are back. so back, baby. We are back. We are guests. Wait, sorry. That's the wrong <laughs> uh, they got a dress and a princess. Back. <laughs> back. All right. Yeah, they got monsters <laughs> dancing. That's all, It's all Cinderella in the end. It all comes back to Cinderella in the end. Uh, we are back again from watching Cinderella <laughs> for, for clarification. Cinderella from what? What's the town? What's the what city is Cinderella in? Did they ever say the town? There's no town. I don't think in this particular the town version, of Cinderella. Yeah, yeah, the town of sin. This the, the Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> the town of sin. <laughs> the fairy tale world. I, All kinds of crazy shit. No, that was 
basically the town in Bad Cinderella. But yeah, for for the purposes of this one, I don't think the town's name is ever mentioned. It's Belleville, right? In Cin- Bad Cinderella. I'm going to be living in yes, Bad Cinderella shadow for the rest of my goddamn fucking life. Uh, yes. Back from Belleville. That's my memoir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> surviving Broadway in a post-Bad Cinderella world. But again, this is the Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. We are not talking about Bad Cinderella. God do it. Not, on, yes. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, the... Um, the Cinderella we have watched, I don't think has ever mentioned its town in any capacity because I went back and watched not just the the Brandy one, but I also went and watched the uh, Leslie Ann Warren one from you know sixty seven, and then the Julie Andrews one from nineteen fifty seven. And I don't think, yeah, they never mention and because it's not important. But uh, yeah, it's not super important. No, I, I'm glad you watched both those versions because actually I was going to ask you guys about the actual musical itself <laughs> before <laughs> we got more into this specific adaptation of it, but. Um, Real quick, we should, I mean, fucking just, if you haven't, if you don't know the story of Cinderella, I don't know what to tell Uh, you. I feel like we said this like four episodes ago when we did Bad Cinderella, but obviously it's about, you know, you guessed it, Cinderella, you know, fucking stepmother is evil, doesn't want her to blah, 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 fairy godmother, et cetera. Yes. Comes, you know, gets whatever the prince, et cetera. So on, just whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Let's get into it. So yeah, that was going to be my question to both of you guys because I've only seen this version of obviously of the Rodgers and Hammerstein adaptation of it. So this is the only version I've seen of it. I wanted to, and I thought we would probably end up getting a lot into the performances of all the different actors and actresses based on um, how interesting and different it was at the time. But I figured we should carve out some time just to talk about the actual musical itself. Um, but I, I, what do you guys? How do you guys feel about it? Just in terms of like how it stacks up against other masterpieces like bad cinderella obviously <laughs> um. <laughs> i guess compared to bad cinderella i mean you could kind of most things walk away looking pretty great and and charming and like they actually want to be an adaptation of cinderella um but i guess i guess like uh, princess have you seen any of the other versions of the rogers and hammerstein cinderella I have seen Dame Julie's because mm-hmm. that was part of my education. My father mm-hmm. said I had to watch it. Otherwise, I couldn't stay in the mm-hmm. house. Not really. But no, I've seen, <laughs> I, 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 did, I did see that one, which I really enjoyed um, for what it is. I, like, I think one of the things about it that's so surreal is like the dress transformation. Like there's a reason yeah. it's goaded. Like it's just like it's really impressive to see. Um, and I've actually seen. So I saw this version of Cinderella live when they did a revival of it where Carly Rae Jepsen was playing Cinderella and Cheryl Lee Robinson, who plays um, Moesha's mom, stepmother in Moesha, she was playing the stepmother in it. Yeah. There's a Cinderella like extended universe, basically. It's all connected. So I've I've seen this live once and then once on the show and everything. Um, I like it. I think that it's really good. But I, we're doing our ultimate Cinderella ranking. Um, I would say this is definitely in my top five. I don't know if it necessarily makes a top three because I think if I were just to say it now, it'd be like Ever After. Mm-hmm. That's like, I uh, think yes. that's... Is that, a, is that a musical? Oh, but you're or right, you're that's, right. That's you're a, right, there's no music. It. So I can just erase it. Of musical ones, I would say this is yes. definitely in my top two. Yeah. I think, I think this one and then... 
um, Into the Woods are like my two favorite Cinderella's. <laughs> I, I think I'm on I'm on par with you on that. It is got to be Into the Woods, and and then I think this particular version of this iteration of Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella is up there. Having said that, I did watch the original two versions of this, and I would put this one and then the Julie Andrews one right beneath it. And then I know a lot of people really love the '67 Leslie Ann Warren one, but to me, it's like kind of the most boring, and it's very charming for what it is. It's really cute, but like um, it's very much. Cinderella is actively trying to marry up with the prince. And then the 50s one with the original book written by Oscar Hammerstein, it's very snappy and like honestly kind of weirdly modern and very much like Julie Andrews is actively like putting her own wish in her hands and her, her stepmother's just kind of like, the, or not her, her fairy godmother's just the, kind of there for the ride being like, look at how badly she wants this and wants to make it happen. And it's like, I'll have a pumpkin that becomes a coach and I'll have mice that do this. And it's also Julie Andrews, like who's, great at everything and is just such a captivating actress that it's hard really not to love it. Um, but yeah, this, this version I think is the most, this version being the uh, 97 version that we watch is, is, and maybe it is just being a, you know, a, a, a millennial and having grown up with it. But to me, this is like kind of like the most fleshed out and like, complete of the versions. I didn't see the 2013 Broadway version that you're talking about. Um, because it was originally Laura Osney's, I think, that <laughs> who is a controversial name now in the Broadway community um, as Cinderella. And then I think um, what's her face that just won the Tony for Kimberly Akimbo and her name is escaping me um, oh, as yeah, the fairy yeah. godmother. But uh, yeah. that one had like a really notable like people love that version. And uh, I haven't I haven't watched a bootleg of it. I probably should have for this. But yeah, I know a lot of people who really liked it. And all four of them have different books. Like, so that's the thing. They've all done very different things kind of with the story. I just realized I made a mistake. The step, the stepmother in the one I saw was Fran Drescher because that was the main reason <gasps> I wanted to see it. So it was what? Fran, what? yeah, it was oh Fran who was. God, the- sorry, that's like that's no, amazing. No, I, and that's why Fran. that's why I wanted to see. It. I was like, I was like, why was I so happy to see? It? I didn't even. It wasn't even Carly Rae Jepsen. It was that Fran Drescher was going to be sure. playing the stepmother. Um, sorry, and you're, the, yeah. all the books are different. Yeah, that's I totally great. Yeah, I saw Fran speak this morning. Sidebar. Oh, you did? Oh, oh nice. no. I went to a sound rally and she was there. I was like, oh shit, it's Fran herself. Oh my Watch- god. Anyway, uh, watching out for them screen actors and being a stepmother. Yes. I love that so much. That's incredible. Because yeah, I did have a little bit of stunt casting. Uh, yeah, towards the end of the run. I mean, that's incredible stunt casting, though. I would have like it's not like Chicago where it's like we dragged out your least favorite like housewife from Beverly Hills to play like matron Mama Morton. That that actually rules. Holy shit! It's funny to think about this. I was actually as I was watching this, I was thinking about adaptations of this. Mm-hmm. You know, because the only other one that I was really familiar with, obviously, is the Disney animated version. And um, I, ke- I kept thinking, I'm like, oh, it's weird to think about Cinderella not as a musical. Because it seems like it's it 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 uh, lends itself so specifically to this medium in terms of like the characters are very simple, but they're not too simple. It's like their motives are clear. The arc of the story is very clear. There's a lot of room for sort of like song interpretations and nice duets, and and the arc of the story itself is like pretty easy to follow. So uh, I I was thinking just specifically about the Rodgers and Hammerstein version of like oh yeah this it's weird that this would ever ever be anything other than a musical. But as you guys were pointing out earlier. Uh, I guess Ever After was the only, the other big version of this um, oh, from around that same time, right? It was like late 90s. Yeah, yeah, 98, yeah. right? I think it was 1998 yeah. or 1999. Yeah, definitely like during her like Adam Sandler first run of them doing movies together. <laughs> um, yeah. And I remember like I, that's one of my favorites. And you know, the 
the live action Disney one doesn't have music in it, which I always no, thought was just right. kind of like, which they have like some like melodies, but they never actually sing. And I found that I didn't, I didn't miss the singing because I feel like other than this is love, there aren't that many bangers on the Cinderella soundtrack, in my opinion. And the Disney we one. got a dream is a wish your heart makes. Come on, come Listen, on. But, com- <laughs> but, compare- but compared to wishing well, though, like, because Snow White re- is really given to, and like, I don't know, between the big, the big white three of Snow White, Cindy and Aurora, mm-hmm. I was like, Aurora and, and Snow had the better vocals. I'm so sorry. Oh man, it's okay. No, we're here, we're, we're here for hot takes. That's why you no you you make friends with people with different opinions to be a more well rounded person. Exactly. We're reaching across. <laughs> we're reaching across the yeah, aisle. Reaching across the aisle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess I never really thought about uh, Cinderella in terms of like it lending itself really well to I guess musical theater. Um, and that 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 is a really interesting point, and I think that's why. Do you guys, do you guys agree? Do you guys disagree? Do you, what do you no, think? No, I think it makes perfect sense. I can't, it seems weird to even have it as not a non-musical. I'm like, what the fuck would that even be for like two hours? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, obviously I know what it would be. It's true. You know Barry Moore romping around the, right. the hills of France and, uh, you know. Uh, scabbing do, left and right. Doing scabbing right. <laughs> Speaking of, of the same bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just she yeah, has just her romping around France inventing feminism uh and it's <laughs> it's a movie for sure that I love but um yeah I think I think if only because it has kind of like most that most simple motivational desire of wishing for something and you know that idea of like when something is too big to be normal reality uh it lends itself well to to singing What's nice about this version, and I guess all the other versions of this show, I haven't seen, again, the stage Broadway version, I don't know how much they fleshed it out, is that they keep it pretty short, and they keep it pretty succinct, and, like, they don't push it out any bigger than it kind of needs for it to be Cinderella, a, you know, complete musical retelling. Like, this this one's only, like, what, 85 minutes long? It's short. Like, that's why, like... Thank yeah. God. I Thank mean, God. honestly... <laughs> the original, the, and I don't mean that negatively, because like the movie Cinderella, like the fifties version, is seventy four mm. minutes. That is oh, succinct. There, and That's- there's some padding in that one. I will concede that that one is like <laughs> padded out. You're like, I don't give a shit about this dog. I don't give a shit about this cat. Why am I watching all these fucking Gus guys Gus. around? I don't need Gus Gus. Gus Gus. Oh my god, are you guys Gus Gus haters? I love Gus. I'm Gus, not a Gus Gus, 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 Gus hater. Gus. I just simply wonder if he could carry his weight a little bit better with regards to the plot. Hey, that's, that's all. mean. I, I, I used that word choice a little awkwardly. <laughs> I suppose it being Gus Gus, but uh, I, that one does feel padded out. And then I guess what is interesting to me in comparison is is how much um, the the Rodgers and Hammerstein versions care about it cinderella even even like the 67 version where it's kind of still just like i just want to marry this prince because that would be really nice to marry the prince um it, it is about cinderella and 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 um never really gets too far away from that which i like because again the disney version is like let's sit with the dogs and the animals and even though i don't give a shit about any of those those creatures whatsoever um and and i guess with each- animal hater angie Meehan right here on the podcast <laughs> no, you heard it first I literally, it's all animals dog owner Lizzie yeah, yeah you can aging sarah mclaughlin <laughs> if you guys can't see this but i have just nothing but like bear skins hanging behind me right now and like stuffed yeah, animals super as hunter I, as i talk on. about this shit um 
It's Gaston, right. <laughs> uh, and I think with each succeeding version of this Rodgers and Hammerstein version, they kind of have a lot more fun with the fact that it is a movie about Cinderella and her character and the prince, too. Because even like in the old versions of this, the prince is kind of like he either doesn't show up until the ball or he just kind of like, you know, is, is in front of Cinderella's house for a hot moment. And they have a absolutely a blank slate right, of a human being. Yeah. Just a complete like this man does not matter. This is just, uh, you know, Cinderella is going to get some from him. And that's kind of why he's there, which maybe. Maybe there's points for that, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So this 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 version actually, um, I remember the the writer of this, uh, Robert Iscrove, uh, saying like, you know, this might not be the most feminist version, but we wrote it for what we thought girls were thinking about in terms of Cinderella in the '90s. Like, what is mm-hmm. it that Cinderella wants? What is it that girls like in the '90s actually want besides, you know, you, like, like, I think his words were, "It's not the most feminist they want version." They hyper color T-shirts. Right. They want you know like uh, a purple Doc and blue pop boots, right. scrunchies. <laughs> Scrunchies, butterfly clips. I want a purple and blue pop tart that tastes like a fruit that doesn't exist. They want jinkos. They want a rollerblade. Tamagotchi. Uh, Tamagotchi. Girls want Tamagotchi. I want uh, the dream perfume from the Gap specifically. Uh, Yeah, all those things are in the 90s Cinderella and that's why it's great. No, but like the the idea is like, no, girls want to dream bigger than marrying a prince, which is very much kind of in line with a lot of the 90s Disney process of rewriting princesses. Um, So it kind of falls in line with that there. They were also like, oh, we we, we were just more conscious of girls. That was what we were thinking at the front of this was was girls and not necessarily like... um, a broader audience, which I really appreciate. Which by t- by today's standards, you think you're like that's so insane that it took till the nineties that'd be like we were thinking about the, the main girls. character for the yeah, first time. Right. Yeah. What was the main character's actual? I'm like, what? Who were you thinking about before that? Well, yeah, that's like it's so interesting about Angie's point about the padding in this fifties one is because like those mice are really like if you think about those first three like Snow White Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty the main heroine she is just the inciting incident she's there to do a little bit of activity but it's like in Snow White it's the dwarves in in, in yeah, Sleeping right. Beauty it's the it's the fairies and in Cinderella it's those goddamn mice she can't even <laughs> open it she can't even open the door like yeah, she, she couldn't <laughs> she can't beat down a damn door like at all yeah it's always like these she's animals like, I would throw myself out that window. I'd be like, I am up here. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What is it? The cliche of just making something out of your bed sheets, even like, yeah, I would have been escaping like Tomb Raider, like out of that shit, like Laura Croft. (laughs) Like my man is down stairs. I'm getting right. (laughs) Oh, you're uh, you're telling me a door lock is going to keep me out? Like, you know, I know that's some flimsy wood, Cinderella. You just take a chair to it and you're out right. there in like two seconds. It's attic wood, too. That shit is weak. Um, I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think one of my favorite things about like this adaptation in terms of just musically is that they add like two other, like the sweetest sounds and falling mm. in love with Love Road to the two that they added from like other mm-hmm. yes, Audrey yeah. projects. And I like both of them a lot. Like I think the sweetest sound is a great introduction to like the characters and just the idea of like the prince is just out there doing his little princess Jasmine thing of like, I'm just being <laughs> right. among yeah, the populace. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, totally just, like, yeah. just out here, just like, just chilling, meeting average everyday people. Girls yeah. want respect. That's a good note. And then I think yeah. that if, if you hire Bird at Peters, you have to give her a song. Yeah, and like, yeah. Whenever, whenever they make the stepmother just a little bit bitter and like, listen, I live in the real world. I have to marry for money. That, that's right. my favorite thing. And I feel like whenever they give her like a little bit more pathos than just being like a bitch, that it's like, <laughs> it's like we, we also, need that. 
especially when you have someone like Bernadette Peters who can go from like being this big goofy like cartoon character yeah. and then just like within a sentence pull into like this ice cold bleakness <laughs> like mm-hmm. she could go from like hot to cold so quickly and she's so fun to watch for that purpose because like um yeah like you said a lot of versions of Cinderella's stepmother are just kind of a mean bitch but like that's not really what's interesting about that character you know it's like why is she such an asshole it's because she had to be pragmatic and uh, I don't know not, not like like we need a deep dive into this character but I think Bernadette Peters plays it really well and just even giving her the baseline of like I had my heart broken and I couldn't fall in love for reasons of love it had to be money is just like it's nice and I love that song that's a great song because they were like yes, yes we have Bernadette Peters we have to give Bernadette Peters a song we cannot not give Bernadette Peters a song and so they worked with the uh Rodgers and Hammerston um states to like go through they were like as long as it's not associated with the sound of music or like the king and i or oklahoma you can pick any song you want and use it for that so they used that song for that and i'm like thank god because i love it and i love it burned at peter serve so much yeah and this was my introduction to her as like a figure was like through this uh this movie and so like i i remember before i knew who she was i just remember loving this song as being like it it gives me the same vibes that Mary the Mole does from Thumbelina, which oh, I think is sure. uh, yeah. which, I, which I think is a, is a notoriously uh, lambasted song, and they're wrong. Mary the uh, Mole, like literally, <laughs> literally, it's a great song. But yeah, I just I love it. I love her in it, and I think the stepsisters are also very fun. Like I think everyone is enjoying their performances and taking advantage of like the soundstage, the ridiculous of it, and I think that that's the difference between like a live action adaptation that is there to have fun and like entertain the audience that is already here for it. And the live action ones that are trying to make people who didn't like it before be like, do you see how we've grown? Do you see how we read TV tropes and we know that you don't (laughs) like plot holes? Yeah. That you don't, that you don't like weird shit. We did yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. You don't like magic in your fairy tales or you have to have everything in a fairy tale explained yeah. to you. Well, we Grounded will sit here. in reality. Yeah. We will, yeah. We will grind this to a halt and put Kate uh, Blanchett in it and <laughs> and you will love it, baby. Uh, but yeah, no, this this version. And like, also, I didn't uh, I don't know if I mentioned this at the front of this. This 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 Brandy version cost 12 million dollars, which for a TV yeah, movie is like it's genuinely huge fucking insane although they did run out of money towards the end of filming it and they filmed it pretty much in sequential order and that last scene where they get married which would be goldberg had to pay yeah, for people <laughs> oh wow uh, yeah only half joking 12 million dollars in 1995 and 6 when they made this movie would have been closer to like you know almost 30 million dollars right Man, exactly. that's, a, that's, that's a marvel movie. i mean that's not literally the number but that's like that's a lot of fucking money for a made for tv movie that was only going to air on on abc like on a sunday night it's crazy that's right that's like a proper and that's that used to be the budget for full on um you know what we would call now mid-range films because sure. movies movies have mm-hmm. gone up to like two three hundred dollar movies but that used to be the sweet spot of like how many many movies were made in the 90s so it essentially has the budget of like what would have been a regular movie you'd go see in a theater but on tv whereas made for tv movies at that point would have been, are like famous were famously like really cheap really poorly like quickly done like with no money whatsoever so it, it, it's important to sort of highlight how crazy that actually was for the context of the time yeah like disney for sure. disney for in all intents and purposes it did throw its whole ass behind this movie and uh, <laughs> i mean like they they went into it like being like we're going for it we are reaching for the goddamn stars my only observation that i was thinking was like it looks like 
I say this is a good thing, not a bad thing. It looked like they went to Cost Plus World Market and purchased everything that was in that store and put it up on, top, on the fucking screen. <laughs> you know, they were it's just like it's just like we're we're doing it. it, it to me, it feels like um it, the color palette is. I know the source of the color palette. They were trying to imitate like um Klimt, uh Yeah, in I was particular. Say, I saw I saw some of those drawings that they did. It's they're beautiful, but yeah. it's it's definitely. But the rest of it, I think that was specifically more towards. Uh, the fairy godmother stuff and the sort of the fantastical, but mm-hmm. just the regular sort of day to day walking through the street. I mean, I mean, the sets are really fucking crazy, though. Yeah, the sets are crazy. The home set is crazy. Like all the costuming is crazy. It's it almost looks like a sort of uh, prototype for what the Disney Channel movies all will end up being. Like I kept thinking of like yeah. Descendants. Like this yes, is, this is like a beta version of the Descendants before it gets like you know refined and like even more insane. But it's crazy to think how early on that whole sensibility developed within the sort of identity of what Disney would end up going to do for their live action big pieces. And uh, Brandy and the Brandy and the Prince will be on the next Descendants film as their characters. Are Really? They are reprising their roles in People like Descendants. People are going to shit their pants. I will Holy watch it just for that. I, like they released yeah. a photo of them and I was like, they got me. They got me. <laughs> Like I, I watched wow. this again by myself because I've seen it eight thousand times, but I watched it just without my daughter there to be like, "Mommy, dance with me." Because every time we watch this, she's like, "Mommy, let's dance." During this, mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, child, I need to watch That's this cute. for work." Like, <laughs> yeah, I need to focus. Um, but I watched it by myself twice. I watched it once during the day, and then at night while I was winding down and had a couple of drinks and was sitting there watching this by myself and like just talking to myself and like they're meet cute. I'm like, they are both so goddamn cute. Like, just yeah. the simple thing of having him do his like, as you said, Princess Jasmine thing, but even. Even just having that they just want to meet something nice to have something nice happen to them is such a simple like cute right. thing to have and they're both just so well cast and all i was doing was sitting there crying go like they're so cute love is real, love is real. <laughs> so i will be watching the descendants 8000 whichever part they're on at this point yeah. just yeah, it's like and the and the best part is i don't know if you saw the the babysitters club new version that came out but the little oh, yeah, yeah. girl that plays marianne is going to be playing their daughter Oh, that's oh, that's so cute. Oh, I was oh, yes, I, I was really like content for me. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> Pander to me. Winning. Let's have a Cave's corner. I want to. Yeah, exactly. Feel? How did you Cave's feel? Corner. Yeah, that's right. As, as a not tar- as a not demographic for this production, what did you think? Yes. What did I- <laughs> I'm not used to this much attention. Uh, I enjoyed it. I watched it with my wife. She was very excited to sit down and watch this for. And I think, again, the sort of premise of this podcast was to make her like laugh at me and that this was like, as you said, Angie, I was like, I have to watch this for work. This is not an opportunity for me to goof (laughs) off like a bunch of goof offs. This is serious business right now. This isn't for play. Um, How wrong? So kind of what I was thinking about earlier, what I was mentioning earlier was like just the idea of Cinderella always being a musical as opposed to just like a straight ahead, uh, straightforward story. It made me think a lot about which I didn't actually see this, but in some ways it was like, it was really interesting to think about this thing that was such this, you know, uh, this time capsule of, of what it was like in the nineties and how interesting it was that they chose to have this entire colorblind casting thing that they did. It reminded me somewhat of, of some like it hot in the sense that like, it's this very straightforward story that, you know, you kind of have these small little tweaks and it ends up being more meaningful to a broader audience because they can sort of see themselves in a story in a way that's different. And it ends up not so much making a big deal about those tweaks and just almost making them like a non-issue, which is ultimately what you kind of want. 
Uh, but I thought what was really interesting is, is that conversation we were talking about, well, maybe that'll be something in the future that might have some sort of impact. But then I was thinking about you two where this was something that you guys, this is sort of like the same thing, but it happened in the nineties where you guys grew up with this and you've sort of, you know, become full adults, hopefully adults, um, where that was somewhat of the norm for you guys. And it was, it was interesting to look at it as like, oh, it's this interesting thing from the past. And yet at the same time, it feels so contemporary because that's what a lot of media that we end up watching these days does have. Mm-hmm. And then it also made me upset because I was thinking about Little Mermaid, the the most recent one where it's like in so many ways, like, yeah, we've progressed and things have gotten better and things that people should not fucking give a shit about in the to the extent that they do. People still are fucking upset about them in really stupid ways. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, life is a never ending cycle of hell that will always continue to be dumb in some way. I don't know. That's not necessarily a nice answer, but that's sort of where my mind went when I was thinking sure. about it. No, yeah. for sure. I remember because Kiki Palmer was like became like the first black person to play Cinderella when she did it during the revival um, mm-hmm. in the aughts. And I don't and it's weird to think about it because I'm like, I don't I was too young to know if people were mad about this, but I just don't think that they were. I never hear people talk about this movie in terms of like the woke scold or like what would they have called it then? Like, um multicultural yeah multicultural mm-hmm. pc i think sort yeah. of yeah yeah united I, colors I, of benetton is what they would that would have been the 90s reference yeah. to it, calling it a united colors of benetton ad but so i think because i think everyone in it was so crossover popular that mm-hmm. they didn't because like it's like it's Whoopi goldberg one of the biggest actors of the time brandy who had crossover appeal whitney who everyone loved so there was no so like it was like these are the best people that you could have gotten mm-hmm. to play this kind of thing Versus like the Little Mermaid stuff where it's like, you guys are so mad and like, but you have an actress who can actually sing. Us yeah. Bell right. stands were paid dust and you, and you <laughs> yeah. want to be, and you're mad. Like, you, you know, it's like, I like, I was like, I remember like, I'm like, even if like all the things you say, like, it's probably going to be undersaturated. And it was, it's going to be mid. And it was, at least the bitch can sing. I know. You know they, 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 at least someone who can <laughs> sing and act. And, and look like an actual mermaid. And you're just sitting here like, eh, she's black. That is the least of y'all concerns. Yeah. yeah. Truly. Yeah. This is a white ass movie. Like, you know, it was one of the things <laughs> I was telling someone is like, the colorblind adaptation that is just going full and just like not bring attention to like setting, to place, to time at all versus the one that wants to like be colorblind, but then also make weird casting choices. Like, cause like in The Little Mermaid, like the mother is black and like, but he's white, but he is very much said to be adopted. And I'm yeah. like, why? <laughs> like, you could have just not, like, we get it. We know they look very different. Mm-hmm. We don't need you to explain it. Like, Victor Gabor and Will Be Gover kind of an Asian son. I didn't question it. No. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's just the way it was. Yeah. And then, like, Ariel has, like, this, mo- like, all of these sisters of different races. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's fine. She's a mermaid. You don't need to bring attention to it. Yeah. But then you have the politics of, like, you know, they go on these islands and everyone has like these Caribbean accents and then everyone in the castle is British. And I'm just like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 w- I wish that they had more ability to just be fun. I think the thing that made Hamilton so successful at doing like colorblindness in yeah. Broadway is that they just play it straight. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. just do it. Just go with it. Like yeah. you don't have to like keep 
bring attention. Like we're grounding it in reality. We're grounding it in reality. Right. Like, I don't care. Reality right. sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's yeah. It's kind of like the same way that they, like these remakes have to over explain everything that they have to now give like context that makes sense. Like they're that two two people who have to have things told to them why this happens as opposed to accepting that you can have colorblind casting in something that they have to give like some sort of context that makes them go, oh, well, then, you know, I think the same impulse motivates those things from like a marketing storytelling perspective like we have to explain this because if we don't explain it then the audience is going to ask more questions and not believe it and not be able to suspend you know their disbelief and yeah. <laughs> where's the nitty-gritty realism of a person with a half fish for a fucking body that's right, what i yeah. need right <laughs> where's her cloaca yeah. it's like you know, it's like <laughs> right. right um and it's it's yeah like I, I, thinking about like all the 90s disney movies that were made and you know they all they all skew until you start hitting like mulan to like white like that's how they do skew but they also just don't question things that deeply they're there to tell a story oh except for pocahontas but we don't talk about pocahontas oh no yeah uh the impact of casting a colorblind cast in the way that cinderella does is is really important but it's also not the thing that they want you to walk away with like at the front of your head you know they want you to have a very talented well-cast group of people doing Cinderella with this aspect of it. And like, I think that's honestly really cool. And it is kind of strange how 30 years later, like that we've kind of like walked back from this. I was reading a lot about behind the scenes making of this. And originally like everyone was behind Whitney Houston and Brandy being in this. And then one executive who has gone unnamed, but they were straight up just like, well, why can't we just have Jewel instead of Brandy? And I think about that. Jewel? Yes. Jewel. Yes. Yes. The only pushback Uh. they got was somebody, one of the executives saying, well, you know, it's going to be a lot to have like Whitney Houston and Brandy on screen together for people to accept, which is, you know, such an insanely weird sentence. Why not have Jewel? And I think about that, like watching this and just going like, it's going to be a lot for them to have on screen, like in a good way though, like not in a bad way. If anything, right. You know, like, Like, um, it should have been just like, I don't know if we if people can handle that much. Awesome. All of them. I bet they were thinking that if they make them both, it's going to be a black thing because that was always the thing with like, yeah, I'm sure with like Will Smith and whatever. It's like if you put the t- if the, if he has a black love interest, then then it's a black movie. So we have to make it some other ethnicity, right? At least say Britney right. Spears, bro. Like you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. we're gonna stop right. cash Jewel. They wanted Jewel. Jewel was offered up I could instead s- of Brandy. I could see Jewel being like the sad girl who, like, you know, lives in a what is it in a bus in Alaska, right? Where oh, it was like right, her whole true. Deal like her first record. Oh my god! I yeah, could, imagine I her see yodeling. that aspect of it. Yeah, but I, it seems like a terrible. I mean, wow! You mean an executive had a terrible fucking idea That's where they right. had no fucking idea what their audience wanted? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they are engaged in a business that they know nothing about and they right. don't actually like. Wow, yeah. so strange. Yeah, times have changed. Uh, man, I'm like, sorry, I'm riled up from this morning. No, it's all right. Our girl Fran, Fran got me riled up. Fran, the power of Fran. Honestly, it's shocking that she wasn't in this considering that the nanny was like on ABC, right? I'm like, the only thing that could have rounded this out. That would have been lit, honestly. Oh, right. (laughs) I would have been like, oh my God. Well, you know, this is, this is the other thing that I was reading. The, the, um, uh, Deborah Merritt Chase, I might be misnaming her, but the original, one of the producers of this, she had said that a lot of people did not want to play Cinderella's stepmother because of the optics of being mean to Brandy were like very hard to find. Like Bette Midler turned it down for that reason. (laughs) Like nobody wanted to be the white woman yelling at Cinderella and it was very hard to find an actress who wanted to do it. And Bette Midler thinking about not being an over the top white woman. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But I 
times truly have changed. Bernadette yeah, right? Peters was like, no, I will do this. Like, she's like, and then it comes back to like this idea. She said, like, because we're playing it straight. We're just playing it straight as this fairy tale. And I think if you take that approach and that's kind of the whole mindset that everybody had in making this, besides that one yeah. executive who was like, let's have Jewel just so we don't Jewel. terrify the white audiences yeah. too much is very funny to me. Also, she has a black daughter. So, you know, like, it yeah, was also like, dark skin. So it's like, it's it's like, it's, it's cope aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought it's, okay. it's racially coded. I just thought it was like, why this child in my house? Yeah. <laughs> this, is my, this is my tall Carol Burnett white child. Like, this woman who looks so much yeah. like Carol Burnett to me. <laughs> but yeah. That's um, true. The other lady does. Um, By the way, the second actor that was on Seinfeld in this in this movie, which I thought was funny, she was uh, on that one episode where Jerry goes and does a set, and then she laughs really loud, and then boos and hisses at him when there's like an Entertainment <gasps> oh, Weekly. I think she's dating Kramer. Yeah, and there's wow, an Entertainment is- Weekly writer there, and then Jerry, Jerry gets mad at her. Anyway. <laughs> They were so happy they got George Costanza too. Like they originally were trying to write that part to be more like George Costanza, and like Jason Alexander was mm-hmm. like, "Please don't, please don't do this." I know. I was like, "I'm a, I'm a Tony winning actor. Yeah. Please stop playing in my face." I am from the stage. I know how to do this. I don't have to be George Costanza and everything. And that was like at the height of Seinfeld too. Like they were just like, "Fuck, we got, yeah, we got a man." I was reading like a really cute interview with like Paolo Maltaban who plays the prince, and he was like, "Oh, I met mm-hmm. Victor Garber," and like. He was just talking about how he had been in Mexico, like shooting this movie in like a soundstage with like a giant Titanic, tank. Huh? And this was before Titanic hit. Oh, too. Right? Yeah. Like Victor Garber had yet to like, cause he had already won a Tony for assassins, I think at that point, but like, you know, was still like not a household name. Alias hadn't happened yet. Titanic hadn't happened yet. But like, he was just like, yeah, this, he was really nice. And all Jesus. he was talking about like, was this movie that he thought might be a giant flop and how he was like being in like the soundstage for eight months. And it really sucked. And he was really excited to come and do this and like yeah and uh he did that and then he did yeah, this would have been the same year that's crazy yeah you're yeah. right that's that's literally that's so the same funny. time yeah oh my god and Annie hit it's right afterwards how many things happened at the same time yeah my sister and i were obsessed with victor garber we didn't know him as anything other than titanic guy who was titanic Daddy Warbucks, guy, yeah. but like this was my introduction to victor garber <laughs> just like walking that thought train out loud um very cute good for victor garber and he and apparently whoopi goldberg were very good friends and he was like i will absolutely be like whoopi goldberg's husband like why wouldn't i do this and I, I love it so much. I love Whoopi um, Goldberg as the queen too. I thought that was great. I love all the weird noises she made. She's all like, <laughs> yeah. It's Whoopi doing one of her best Whoopiisms. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were just I'm in danger. We were just one you in danger girl away from this being <laughs> one of her best performances. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, I learned who uh, fucking somebody Harry Winston is because Sarah told me she was like, and I was like, is that the guy that does all the special effects? She's like, no, it's like the most famous jewelry designer in the world. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah. those were all on loan because she was like, I need to have like real jewelry because I'm a queen. So I need to have like fancy Super, I read that too. <laughs> billion dollar yeah. fucking like necklaces and shit. She's That's like, so I'm friends funny. with him. Why would I not get my jeweler friend to give me like, yeah. and like they had armed guards showing up on the set to like dress yeah, her yeah, in yeah. jewelry oh, every God. day. And then, yeah, she paid for extras to have be at on the set. She's like, we're not, we didn't make this whole goddamn movie to have no extras at the very last scene. I, she paid out of pocket for mm-hmm. like all the extras to work That's that day. That's so wild. Whoopi Goldberg, man. What a legend. What a legend. Yeah. I mean, 
That reminds me of like the story of Michelle Yeoh and Crazy Rich Asians when she saw the original ring and she was like, that's the ugliest shit I ever seen in my life. <laughs> She's like, let me, go to my, let, me, let, me go to, let me go to my rich husband's ring collection and get something for y'all. We, I didn't we know y'all were better. broke up here on the set. Yeah. <laughs> we could do so much better. Because they were like, oh, we assume Disney will pay for another day of extras. It's Disney, right? They will do it. And they were like, absolutely not. Yeah, no, Daddy Bob said absolutely not. I don't know why yeah. you thought I was going to do that. that. That was even Michael Eisner. I was like, this is the height of like Michael Eisner. They're just being like, whatever, throw money at it. Oh. But like, they were like, mm, we're just, uh, we're going to put a pause on that. And so, yeah, it was Whoopi Goldberg. And then I think um, maybe Jason Alexander or somebody else also stepped up to, to help. And because they were like, that's kind Threw of some bullshit. <laughs> so they could afford it at that time. It did make me miss like, Whoopi. Yeah. yeah. They were like, we have to make money for uh, Aladdin 2, 3. <laughs> like, Honestly, we, yes. <laughs> we have sequels. To, we have sequels yeah. to make. Yeah. <laughs> Aladdin and the King of Thieves has got to happen somehow. Uh, we got to have. Uh, do you know how expensive it movie. is? <laughs> I loved that movie when oh, I was a man. kid. We got to get Robin Williams back. Do you know how expensive Glenn Close's Cruella DeVille is going to be? We we got to hold. We got to tighten that belt there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Lion King Two Simba's Pride is going to create so many furries. We have to give them the budget. Like we yeah. have to just do. It is like kind of weird to me. Just like on that train of thought, out of all of like the Michael Eisner just releasing shit you know, nonstop between like the, this is like right at the height of like releasing direct to video sequels and like getting into the beginning of like live action movies, but the Michael Eisner live action tone, not like the Bob Iger live action tone where it's like, we have to explain it. Like they can be a little squirrely. Um, that this is the one that I think that so many people remember out of everything else, like, and actually have nostalgia for and fondness for and not being like, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed watching that as a kid. Is it good? No, but like that this is people walk away from being like, this was great. And a really important thing that came out of that period of Mike Eisner being like, you know, making it rain. Um, And I just think that is because like from the get go, there was always this kind of earnestness about wanting to do it right and do it well. And (laughs) I don't know if you could say that so much. No offense to uh, Aladdin and the Prince of Thieves or King of Thieves, but uh, (laughs) you know, King, thank you for the Sean Connery uh, dad. It was Sean Connery, right? I'm not misremembering. Was that. it? Was it Sean Connery or was no, 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 no? It was, it was, it was, it was, um, it was Gimli because they couldn't get Sean Connery, so they got Gimli. Oh, really? Yes, Jonathan. Um, Jonathan. Uh, John Reese Davies. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah Jonathan Reese Davies. Davies. Yeah. 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 That was who they got because I remember being like, "Oh wow, they got Sean Connery and they brought Robin Williams back," but it was like, "No, we we just got Robin Williams and uh, Jonathan uh, Reese Davies doing it." So <laughs> Jonathan Reese Davies. This brown face lives right through in my brain because I just it's one of it's one of those things where I was like, "What do you mean?" They were like, "They're like, oh, I was like, no, he is not playing a character named Salah Muhammad Fazil Al Kair." They're like, "He sure is," and I was just like, "Wow, Salah, you have one you have one nose," and they're like, "You can play any race, (laughs) truly." Uh, but no, I loved uh, all the Aladdin spinoffs. I stand by each and every one. Of them. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Michael Eisner Perhaps had some good a, ideas. A I think that's a preview of things to come. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was still good then. Things hadn't slid. I forget. Did Bell's Enchanted Christmas, which is truly a dark period, and the beginning of uh, oh, all things to come, yeah. I think came out the yeah. same year too. So I'm like, lest I get too precious about this period of Disney. Uh, but yeah, that's true. Is there anything you feel that does not hold up? 
honestly, the answer I mean, can be nothing. It could be fine, but I'm just I, curious. I, I think that even the special effects are pretty solid for for what it that is. time and for considering. You know, what it is the movie is so tight and so short. Yeah, that I'm just like we're in and we're out. I don't have there's not enough time right to complain. Yeah, take yeah. note of that cinema. If you make it short, there's not a lot to complain about. I fucking love a 90-minute movie, just on principle. I think every time we've seen a 90-minute movie on this podcast, that's the one big takeaway we have, is like, just keep movies, (laughs) just keep it short. They don't need to be longer than anything. Yeah, I I think I kind of fall where Princess falls, that like, everything is just like tight and well-intentioned, and you don't really, I don't know, I don't know, there's no real padding in it for me. The only thing I thought was weird, and it's really not like a bad thing, it's more of like somebody being too good thing. Sure. It's like when when Whitney would come saying, you're like, Jesus Christ. Oh, sure. Whitney Houston has such she, you're just like she is not like she's like some space alien creature who has like these other vocal cords that none of us like no mortal being can have. Yeah. And like that was only the only which isn't even really a problem, but it's just sort of like, oh, oh it okay. is like that's like back- a fucking like amazing pop singer, like singing with Broadway people. You're just like, oh, these two are not the same thing at all. Yeah, this um, is- that was the only thing that kind of bumped for me a little bit where I was like, uh, but what are you supposed to do? Get Whitney Houston to sing less well? Like, I, <laughs> right. That Tell doesn't seem to- like a solution. It's like, hey, girl, that was great. Can you be worse, sir? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't tell Which again, Whitney. It's not to say that everybody else wasn't a great singer. It's just sure. like Whitney Houston is that good. Yeah. You, you don't tell Whitney Houston to pull back, you know? Um, right. Uh, when you have Whitney Houston. They only had her for like four days to shoot, too. So like everything had to get. And like she was like notoriously like showing up super late for everything with regards to this movie that they were just like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're just like, we have to like, we just have to go, whatever she's got to do, she's got to do. And she's great. So it works out in the end, but like going back and watching these other older versions and listening to these other great actresses who play the fairy, um, godmother just kind of having like these kind of like light older sounding voices is very strange mm-hmm. after hearing it with Whitney he's just being like impossible you know I can't do obviously yeah, can't I but kept like, thinking of Kimmy Schmidt <laughs> too yeah unbreakable I forgot to mention that same but it, like it is weird because oh, okay. having grown up with this version and going back and watching it yeah like it's hard not to hear Whitney Houston <laughs> is, is particularly in yeah. that song because that's the best song in the whole thing to begin with but um yeah, yeah. And and the arrangement is perfectly fit for like her voice. I it like it reminds me of whenever I used to hear "When You Believe" with like the uh, Whitney Houston Mariah Carey version. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, I was like, who sold their soul to like <laughs> pay for this? Right. This is too good. This is a this is a DreamWorks animation film. Yeah, you do not need to go this hard. No, but they did. Jeffrey Katzenberg said, "I'm gonna piss." on Michael Eisner. I'm going to get Whitney and Mariah Carey in the promotional single version and he can suck on it. Yeah. So. Whenever they would get like stars to, like I remember like remember when the end credits for every song was like, okay, we got the best thing, like Beauty and the Beast, right. Celine Dion. It's like, we got our track. It's like, like even, even fucking terrible quest for Camelot has Celine Dion <gasps> and right. Andrea Bocelli <laughs> doing the hair. And I'm just like, this movie is not good, but this is a, this is a Grammy. We busted, Amazing. we busted out all the stops just to have like they, they got did they get boys for men for someday from hunchback of notre dame i think uh Seriously? like yeah wait they, they had they somebody for, for men that. for something yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah no that, that was i don't the, think i do that that's hilarious <laughs> it's the period of just throwing down um for your promotional single version of it but uh yeah um i with that said i think i think um this is really solid. If you haven't seen this, just please go and watch it. It's such an entertaining. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And it could slip right into, like I said earlier, like you could just you could fucking throw this on 
and slip it in with your Disney Plus, uh, you know, your queue. And it seems like it was made yesterday and not in a way. And like it does feel very contemporary in that sense. Yeah, it's great. Love it. Love it. This was perfect. Y'all are perfect. Aww. Can't wait to see Descendants. You're 4. perfect. Oh, yes. We're all looking forward. That's <laughs> even piqued my interest now where I'm like, well, okay, now well, I'm, I'm invested. I've watched all the fucking Descendants movies. Now I've watched this. So wait, you have? I know. We'll see. Yeah, we did an episode on Descendants where oh, I had to watch right, all of them. Right, I had to watch right, right, all three oh, for one God. episode. It was, oh, it was, right. I put in my oh, time, that, Angie. That's oh, a horrible done. way to watch yeah. those because two and three are pretty okay. But that Ooh. first one, that, that cover of Be Our Guest is what will play in hell when you <laughs> enter. It's like, it's like. Uh, I watched it with my niece, so she was very excited. It was a very Aww. different experience. I was, I had a good time uh, doing sweet. it because she was uh, like, "We're watching it with Dai for his job. It's really exciting." Anyway, um, yes. Anyway, oh. thank you guys for listening. If you have thoughts on Cinderella, yes. please let us know. We are at Musical Explaining with No G on Twitter. The artist formerly, I'm sorry, the artist formerly known as Twitter, now known as X. Uh, and of course, musical splaining at musical splaining on Instagram. I am at Covetarian on Twitter and at Perma Friends on Instagram. Um, if you're listening to this and if you're in New York, please come see me at New York Comic Con. I will be trapped behind a table for f- four days straight uh, from the 12th to the 15th, I believe, are the dates. So uh, come I'm say hi to me. I'm going to sneak in to see you. Yeah, come see me if you're going to be. You're in New York. You got to come if you're going to come to the convention. Um, Princess, thank you for joining us. Why don't you tell everybody about what you're up to and where they can harass you? I shouldn't say harass these days, but I mean, uh, where they can say hello to you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me again. Uh, you can find me on X, I guess, at uh, Weeks Princess. I'm on TikTok as Princess Pendulum. I do stuff there sometimes, but mostly I'm on YouTube. My videos are under Princess Weeks and have some fun stuff. Got a Doctor Who video coming out. Ooh. Got a Witcher video coming out. Ooh. Got Omega right. Jane. Got Omega Jane Austen coming yes! out for, oh, wow. for Halloween. <laughs> so hyped for that one. Um, so yeah, it was. It's been great. We're making fun stuff here. Uh, but thank you guys so much for having me. It was great to rewatch this. I lo- I love this movie. I love these songs, and I love Bernadette Peters. Yeah, <laughs> the queen, truly. Uh, thanks again, Princess. So much fun having you. Just always a, you. a blast and a blessing. Um, I am uh, why Angelina Y on X. Um, Angelina underscore S E E on Instagram, and uh, we just on uh, Nebula had me and Lindsay had a video come out about uh, the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park, and we're gonna have something out. Uh, hopefully Very Hopefully, hopefully in a couple of weeks too. Uh, um, about a very fun topic that should be entertaining for all. So keep an eye open for that. But uh, with that said, I guess it's time to go off to the ball before the stroke yes, of midnight. Quick, don't forget, follow our sponsor links. Yes. Leave good reviews. Tell your friends to listen to the show. Tell your enemies. Tell your fairy godmother. Tell the rich prince that with the weird foot fetish. Tell. <laughs> Your stepbrothers and sisters. Tell Gus Gus. Tell everybody to listen yeah, to this. Not to Gus tell them Gus. Tell Gus Gus to leave us alone. Definitively leave us fuck alone, Gus Gus. Gus. Uh, Princess, I swear, the next time we bring you back, it won't be for another fucking Cinderella adaptation. It'll be something different. <laughs> no matter what it is, I will be so excited. I mean, I'm just waiting for you guys to see Anne Juliet finally. Oh, Anne Juliet. One day. Oh, right, right. One day. I forgot about it. Off so. to the ball. <laughs> Don't drop any shoes. There's ringworm out there. <laughs> wear flats. Don't wear heels. Wear flats. Just be comfortable. Wear comfortable sneakers. Uh.